All right. Well, I guess we can get cracking. So this doesn't take forever. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number two. I am Nathan. I'm Marquise. That you are. Hey, Marquise, uh, did you know we have a special guest today? No, I did it, not know that. It's you. Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. So I am special glad to be you here. didn't even know. Didn't even know. That crept up on me. Okay, right. well, hey, you got me today, guys. Let's well, go. Hey, Marquise, welcome to the show. Glad to have you, you here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we're, we're just going to, we're going to get into it here. Um, as we said last week, the this episode and the next one, um, we are going to be interviewing each other to kind of give everyone an idea of what some of the format's going to look like, uh, or sound like, I should say. And um, yeah, it, plus it'll give our listeners a little more insight into who we are as individuals and some of our journeys, both musical and otherwise. So I think we're just going to get right into it, sir. Are you ready? I am. I am. That I am. Buckle up. Okay. I'm going to ask you um, what I ask everybody else. And that is, can you take us back to your earliest musical memory? Yeah, that's that's easy because I think about that often. Um, I don't remember my exact age. I can say I was I know I was less than 10. Um, okay. And I had this white Mickey Mouse record player. And my grandmother gave me an album called Dorothy Moore. And the song was Misty Blue. Okay. Um, was it a 45? It was on the 45. <laughs> yes, it was on the 40. Because that's, you know, that's all I could tote around. I, I think I was younger than that, but I, I don't I don't know. But yeah, the 45, um, and, you know, it was on that white mic. And I played that song for as long as I can remember. And I think that moment, just the song, was it's a, um, it's a ballad, uh-huh. like a bluesy type ballad. Um, and that was my first encounter to my memory of music. Now going back thinking further, I've I've heard stories that um, um my my father he he was a record collector, so I it was in my blood at some point. But my first initial hearing of music was uh, that I can remember was from my grandmother um, giving me that album Misty Blue by Dorothy Moore. What did you think? Oh, I I loved it. I mean, it was like music to the ears. First time, you know, literally and literally. Um, And I like I said, that was the only record that I had that I can remember for the longest time. And probably was the only record I had for that record player because I I have no other memories of it. But just that I remember playing it in her house in the basement. And I I love that record player, Mickey Mouse. And I love that album. Um, And to this day, I still listen to that song and it still takes me back. I guess what the word like nostalgia. Yeah. Um, Yeah kind of takes me back to that moment when I was in my grandmother's basement. Now this record player, was it a, was it like a Fisher price record player? Um, I don't know. All I remember is the Mickey mouse face with the red black ears was like speaker like type. 
Oh, I mean, and it was like a little 45 record player. And that's all. I mean, that's all I remember. I'm going to have to find a picture of this and put a link in the show notes or something so people can see what this looks like. (laughs) That would be awesome. My sister and I had a Fisher Price record player. Now, I don't I don't think it actually it it didn't play real records. It was one of those that uh, the record air quotes um, had like little notches on it and it would kind of play like a like a music box does oh Uh, so it would just kind of make sounds but uh, i didn't have like an actual record player like this one was i carried mickey mouse or otherwise yeah i carried around like a briefcase um (laughs) but yeah that (laughs) that 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 was my very first encounter to my memory of music was um what was that song and that that record player just you know, it 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 is it was something that, like I said, to this day, I can play that song and it'll just take me back. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's almost like you uh, you can hear the the sounds going on around. You could smell the smells. You you could you almost look through your ten year old eyes in in your memory. It's kind of interesting how that happens. And I'm um, sure I have uh, that 45, not that one particular, but I went and and purchased it a while back, and I'm I'm sure I have that 45 in my in my album crate somewhere. That's cool. You hear, you get that record, you hear that song, you have that uh, connection with your grandmother. What what happens next? What what's the next musical milestone? I was just getting ready to lead to that. Um, oh yeah, I went from that Mickey Mouse record player to the boom box what year was next this was probably i would say 80s at this point um, i would say mid 80s 90s right when um you know raps just starting to to get big with yeah. will smith you know fresh prince um jazzy jeff eric you know, b. all of those eric b karis one probably that's when that age was big daddy Kane. All of that, yeah, Juice Crew, all of them. So that's probably the next big moment that really turned it around. Now, keep in mind, within those time frames, I also dabbled with learning to play instruments, which I never kept up. Believe it or not, I did um, try to go to uh, um, violin classes. Come on, am I really gonna do this cello, violin, no? But I, I remember, um, how we learn we had to use egg cartons and put it on our chin and our shoulder uh-huh and we had to keep it there you know before we even can use a violin right that's the way i learned and then get, also get the posture yeah. right yes oh my god i'm i'm looking like a bonehead i'm like <laughs> no this is not for me man yeah. I, I i want because i like the sound i think the sounds really drew me into you uh-huh. know i want to do this because i like how maybe i saw somebody playing a violin i don't know why yeah. but the next instrument was the saxophone okay um and same thing you know it was interesting but found out that mm, not quite i i kind of learned that a little bit better than the violin um but still it, it you know I like listening to it more than I like playing it. So um, then I picked up, I think probably that's now let's jump to Jazzy Jeff because that's when the next after, you know, I realized I couldn't actually wasn't interested in playing actual playing instruments, but I love sound. Okay. Jazzy Jeff introduced me to 
DJing. Yeah. And that's where the era comes with, you know, I used to start putting two tape decks together and, you know, stop and play, pause, edit, you know, doing all that stuff with a tape. Right. So I really started back then. I re- messed up my mom's record player. Yeah. I was going to uh-huh. ask how many um, records you scratched up. Oh, or a lot. Record players you, you broke. I learned the difference between a needle from a record player and a stylus from a turntable. Right. I learned that that because one because my mom used to always play music Saturday mornings. We cleaning up always. Uh, it was yeah. like a ritual in the house. You have to do that. And she's playing music. So back then she had throw on the album. But, you know, I'm trying to scratch on it. And, you know, in, in my nightlife in the house, you know, I'm trying to scratch on it. And so she goes to play her albums on Saturday and the needle just bouncing across. <laughs> so i learned early you can't you can't scratch on record player needles you can't do that so right but um but but that's my history i mean that's that's what how i fell in love with music you know going from that to that stage and now we here with you know the you know the boom box carrying it to the park everywhere i went i had my radio you know sitting on top of it i had i went through that that phase too yeah um so you know, and then after that, you know, I kind of gradually moved up to, you know, when I think I was in high school, I got my, I bought my first um, turntables before I went to college. I think I was either my junior or senior year. I bought my first turntables out of my own pocket from working over the summer. Um, wanted to be Jazzy Jeff, wanted to be Pete Rock, yeah, um, Cash Money, all of these DJs that I used to, I used to, you know, back then it was VHS tapes. So right. we, we used to have those DJ battles, um, mixtapes um, <laughs> on VHS. And I used to watch them and I always wanted to, you know, do that. My One of my favorite movies, Juice, not because of the movie, just because of the DJ scene. I yeah. love that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the juice bar. So that, and, you know, so from there, just progressed on. What was the song or album that you heard and you went, okay, this is what I want to dabble in. I, I want to be a DJ. What was that moment? I think my song was um, Ugly People Be Quiet by Cash Money and Marvelous. Um, <laughs> my cousin and I, used that. we used to, oh my God, that song, um, Ugly People Please Be Quiet, Cash Money and Marvelous. The DJ goes absolutely berserk in that song. And wow. I said, I want to I wanted do that. And then, you know, but Jazzy Jeff, I, he had more material, I guess, at the, you know, moving on. And I kind of latched on to Jazzy Jeff. He was uh-huh. like, introduced me because of Fresh Prince, you know, with his, you know, right. stardom back then. Right. You know, and so I knew Jazzy Jeff because of that. But as far as music wise, Cash Money, that song really, um, when I heard him just go berserk, you know, and then, of course, Terminator from um, Public Enemy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he was, he used, they used to let him go crazy on some songs. Um, and I loved it when the artists used to give the DJ a song to just, you know, uh-huh. let it out, just go yep. crazy. So that was back in that era. So that I really wanted to be a part of that and, and learn those things. And, I, you know, I kind of taught myself, like, when most of your friends would go to the park or, you know, go to the movies, I was in my, um in my house learning how to scratch and, and blend and do all of that. That was my, that was my release. You know, as far as you know, so people cool. going out and doing stuff. That's that's what I did, and that's how I learned. Back, I started it, like I said, early as my eleventh grade when I got my first set of turntables. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned how artists used to 
showcase their DJs on a song or two on an album. I always think of on Eric B and Rakim's Paid in Full Chinese Arithmetic. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's another one. That's another one. It's just the sounds. Yep. Yeah, the sounds yep. that they make and they doing it with a turntable. And I'm like, you know, and I, I'm like, and, man, I can do that. It's with your it, hands. And the amazing thing is the people who were doing this back then, I mean, obviously this is pre-internet, pre-YouTube. You can't just look up uh, 10 easy ways to learn how to scratch. So you're listening to these songs and you've got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, like how, how's he fading? What's he doing with, I mean, I don't know a lot of DJ terms, but uh, with the knobs and you know, all that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Right. And, and, yeah, the, uh... and how you, how you figure out where, like how far you need to move the record Mm-hmm. And and all that, like you just have to, you know how you just I, have I would, to figure that out. I've le- I learned that, like again, that goes back to where, like you said, we didn't have the technology we had. Oh man, I wish we had the technology we have now. Back then, it would have been oh, so much gosh. easier. I used to either have the VHS tape, and uh-huh. we didn't. Of course, now we got zoom in and zoom out and scan this way. But back then, you got what what you saw was what you saw. So yeah. I would look at the videotapes and I would try to watch what they doing, what knob they're pushing, how they uh-huh. doing this, hitting this switch. I learned how to transform by um, Kid Capri, his style when he turns the on and off fader on and off, and uh-huh. you know, and this, you know, I know Jazzy Jeff used the fader, you know, to to do, you know, um, to to scratch and to do those things. And I, I was and I was like, okay, this is how I learned. To do that, like you said, that's the only option I had was to right. watch the video to and practice. I learned a lot just on my own. And okay, well, it sounds like some of the things that I how I DJ it may sound, but my method is totally different. You know, because I didn't learn by going to a class. I didn't learn how to transform by you know someone standing over me saying you do that. I learned by just trying it. What works for me. And right. also watching those those VHS tapes with a keen eye, trying to mimic what they're doing, you know, transforming yeah. and, and, you know, turning. Some people, you know, do it. It's a lot of ways you can do it. So I just learned to do it that way, along with everything else. Blending is the same way. Yeah. You know, now it's so easy to, you know, to key match, you know, and, you know, to put two songs. You can just play them and hit a, hit a switch. But it also helps to know how to do it manually. Oh, for you know, sure. To, you know, and that's how I, you know, had to learn how to do it, you know, beat joggle, you know, going back and forth from song to song, those things would took time to learn. And I learned that just by practicing and by watching VHS tapes and just, you know, looking over their shoulder, so to speak, and saying, right. okay, let me, let me see how they did it. And sometimes it'll be different, but it comes out the same. And I'm like, okay, well, is this comfortable for me doing it this way? You know, some people do yeah. long division different. Right. Well, it's the same way uh, with me and guitar. Uh, I'm sure there are some songs I play that aren't the way the artist plays it or other people play it, and it might even be the harder way to do it. But you know, you build that muscle memory and you you play it or you perform the way that makes sense to you, and if the end result is still the same, then hey. I mean that that's kind of the the great thing about music is it's like there there are rules but there aren't rules. 
Yeah, and I just heard um oh, I wish I remembered her name. Gosh, I feel bad now. She's from North Carolina. She um she learned to play the, the guitar upside down. I think she's left handed and she it was a right handed guitar. Uh-huh. And she played it upside down and played the melody. Everything was reversed. The bass, I think she played from her thumbs, I think they said, and the others from I don't know the whole story, but it was the unorthodox way to get the same sound. Right, right. And it, you know, it's just like, okay, this may not be comfortable or may not be um, the usual way that you guys are used to hearing it, but it still sounds good. Mm -hmm. If it sounds good, you can't argue with it. Right. You know, no matter how it's made, you know, it's just like if you, how something is prepared, you may not like how it's prepared, but the delivery and the outcome may, you know, may be worth it. For sure. So you're putting in all this time, learning these tricks, learning these skills. When did you do your first show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how well did it go? Okay. So my very, very first show was in high school. And... It was um, me. Well, let me start. It was um, this guy named Frankie was my close friend at the time. Um, he was like one of the one of the the, the uh, top basketball players on the team at, at our school. Um, he, you know, he was the one that was going to be, you know, he was awesome. But yeah. he played the guitar really good bass, you know, you know, regular any type, you know, of string guitar. He, you know, he can play. So. And I had a, a drum machine. So leading from my, my record player, my turntables, I end up getting, you know, a drum machine I got from the pawn shop. And um, so they needed percussion for the band. Well, for, for any would, for any gear snobs out there, do you remember the model or the, the brand yes, at least? Yes, it was a Roland TR-808. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, it was a Roland TR-808. Um, and it was that was it. It had no. It was not like the ones now where you can program it to be whatever. And you right. can, it was just a basic TR eight hundred eight with drums. I mean, um, bass, hi hat, cymbal, hand clap, um, snare. Yeah, just those and you know a little few other you know switches in between. But they needed percussion, so I you know I had bongos on there and you know all that stuff. So <laughs> he said, "Hey man, uh, we doing this show." Um, We've been, you know, we, we've been looking for it to have some extra, you know, percussion. We got a drummer. I'm playing guitar. We got a lead singer. And um, we we're like, you know, come on and practice with us. So without asking anything, because I'm excited, I'm about to be a part of a band. I didn't care. So I said, yeah. So I go over. We start rehearsing. First song is Prince. Oh, wow. So. And then, well, no. Shooting oh, for the oh, stars. Wow. Yeah, but then I noticed that we were a Prince cover band. Mm. Uh, I didn't know how to think of that. I like Prince. Did it have the, did I'm it in have the band? Name? I don't remember the name. I don't think we got that far. What may have been the name. Purple Rain. It may have been a name before I came, but I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of you know what let's just go um so <laughs> so where, where was i because <laughs> it, it's it's prince okay so prince 
so here's the you know we, we're rehearsing so finally i get to you know we after we rehearse and everything i think we rehearsed like two or three times um but I didn't even ask. I remember not even asking where we were performing. I just wanted to be a part of the band. So one day, for whatever, whatever reason, um, I was like, "So where are we? Where are we? When am I meeting you guys at?" And we are performing at the um, prom. We doing prom for the de- for the deaf and blind school. No. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm about three, four practices in now. I can't. It'd be wrong. To just say I'm not right, because you know, I didn't. I'm you know, keep in mind I'm in my probably teens. Yeah, because I'm a senior in high school. I'm about a senior, junior, senior high school. So anyway, anyway, that's fine. So I said, okay, I'm in. Let's roll. So my first night, first performance. Keep in mind again, I need to. I need to learn to ask more questions. I didn't there know we were supposed to be in costume. <laughs> oh no. I didn't know. So, I mean, I, you know, I won't raggedy or nothing, but you know, I came and then I'm looking around and you didn't wear a purple. No. Um, no, I don't think I did. I may have, I I have to ask my stepbrother because he, to this day, he is, I, maybe I had to get his side of the story. I'm sure his is totally different. I may have, I may have had an outfit on. I, if I did, he would know because he probably picked, he probably laughed so hard. Anyway, I don't wear purple. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I go in and the lead singer is princed out to the T. Oh, wow. Yes. Like he, Dave Chappelle's story style? Yes. I mean, he Did got he make the you, whole... make you pancakes or waffles no, or whatever it was? I didn't want any at the time. Um, I think I ate before I came. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, it was so... And then all I... Re- and I, I remember this moment. We are in the gym. On stage, I'm in the in my little corner and I am jamming out and keeping. I am having a ball. It's probably to this day one of my best experiences that I ever had because it was in in spite of me wearing purple. If I uh-huh. wore purple, yeah, it was the greatest. It's your moment. first time. It, it's yeah, like your your dreams are being realized. And it was it was no pressure. You know, it was no pressure. You know, we jammed out and we, like I said, when we rehearsed, we rehearsed serious. I think that's probably one of the, how I picked up the work habit that I uh-huh. had. Even at that moment, I remember us taking it serious. Each song, each set. That's cool. How, you know, what we was going to perform. I mean, we actually had a, um, <laughs> we actually had a schedule, you know, what we were going to do and we executed it. Um, and like I said, after that event, it was the greatest feeling. I don't think I got paid either. Oh, did we get paid? We may have got like a hundred dollars or something, man. But it was the greatest experience, and you know, we we was awesome. They loved us. That's great. You know, and I learned this thing. I I ne- I never knew, of course, young, but now you know. I'm glad I learned that early. But I un- I learned that the hearing impaired, they um, they hear from vibrations right that's when i first experienced that because of course i'm ignorant at the moment i'm like (laughs) i I don't so you know i wanted to learn because it's nothing more embarrassing to be ignorant and ignorant because you don't know so you know i even then i asked some of the you know the teachers and the staff i'm like well how are they gonna you know and i remember asking them that and they say well they can hear 
from the vibrations they and they feel, were, they feel uh, the sound. Yeah. And they were, and they were on beat. They were, I mean, they were enjoying themselves and I was just like, and just seeing them enjoying themselves. I'm like, yeah. okay with it. And, you know, I think I got a little bit ahead of myself because I thought I was going to blow up after that. I thought the <laughs> band was going to be the cover band, you know, of everywhere. And, yeah. you know, of course, it didn't happen that way. But I did think it at that moment. That's that's the cloud I was on at that moment that I thought that this was going to be my catapult to the, to the next right. level. Well, here's an interesting thing j- just to think about. You know, again, one of the things that we talk about is how music affects people in different ways even if it's the same song or whatever um <clears throat> like you experienced that way back then and not even really knowing it you know you have people who can hear and experience music more audibly and then you have people who are hearing impaired and they experience the songs almost more through their whole entire body, you know, through, through the feeling of the vibrations and the movement of air and, and all that. And, you know, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but it's, it's just interesting, you know, maybe sometimes we might take for granted the abilities that we have and we are listening to music kind of on, I guess, for lack of a better term, like a, a singular plane, like we're only concerned with what it sounds like and not how it feels both literally and figuratively. But it's just cool that, that music does that, you know, you you have people who, who don't have the same abilities, but yet they can still enjoy music Mm -hmm. as much as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I learned that at a young age and I think I, it, it taught me the, that music is just universal all you know in in every aspect of living you know you can music can reach it sounds can reach it rhythm you know can reach that that destination what were your next steps what did what did you do what did you get yourself involved in that gave you more opportunities college was a turning point for me as far as music um I always grew up in the church. I was one of those kids that whenever my church was open, whether it was service or not, I was there. Uh-huh. Um, we had three services on Sunday. I was at all three. Um, revival was um, Sunday through Sunday, and I was at every single one of them. So, and what, one of the things that drew me there and one I loved, I, you know, I was like any other kid wanted to play with my friends and, you know, stay at home. And, you know, that's right. when wrestling was big and, you know, I wanted to watch <laughs> wrestling on Sundays and, you know, and then on Wednesdays I wanted to watch. So, but quartets and bands and choirs drew me. Um, okay. And I used to go there also with my grandmother and my church and my mom. So, and that leads me up to this point, give you some back history on, you know, where I'm going from here. That was always, you know, within me, you know, that, that, you know, that, that faith base and music was a way how I connected. So moving to college, there wasn't a a gospel choir at my school when I, at the time I got there, I was one of the original members to help, you know, set it up to have the first gospel choir of the school. 
and um, I was, you know, I was a bass, I was choir director there. Um, and also while there, I end up learning about Christian hip hop. Back okay. then it was rare. Maybe you can count artists maybe on your hands and, you know, hands, that's it. Right. There, you know, there wasn't that many. It wasn't a big thing because, you know, traditionally I'm in North Carolina. I'm in the Bible Belt. That ain't rolling. That's that's not how yeah. we do it here. You know, so that was a struggle. I dealt with that for a while. But, I, you know, I, I love that type of music, you know, and, you know, a sort of speak in the world. That's what I listen to. So I wanted to have a transition or a lateral move. But why can't I listen to the same type of music that I listen to, but giving me more substance yeah so that's when you know i started to listen to more hip-hop as far as christian or gospel hip-hop and learning artists back then um gospel gangsters was big back then of course cross movement was you know was starting um yes a ton of artists you know um k drama back then you know canton jones on the r&b side you know back then um which we call r&p rhythm and praise because it says there's no blues in the faith so uh-huh. um um so that's where that started then and i would you know i would ha- still have my turntables Cause remember this is just a year year two years apart so I, I brought my turntables to school with me so um i used to it was hard to find you know of course rap albums that were christian so i used to get gospel albums like yolanda adams and you know and they, I would love my Mary Mary. I would love it when I found them to have acapella on them. Uh-huh. Because then I would take the acapella and I would take the beats, instrumentals from the hip hop, like the far side. Oh. Um, she keeps on passing me by yeah. the beat to that. And I would, you know, loop it and, and blend it. Yes. And blend it with um, Yolanda Adams. Open up my, you know, I open up my heart. Um, and that song was. So you were doing mashups before they were cool. Oh man, yeah. Oh yeah, but I would, yeah, and I would, yeah, I would love to try to, um, to you know, that was like my my key moment of the highlight because it's just to put those together and just listen to them. You got you made a song from two albums, unrelated yeah. albums. You made two songs, and I used to do that all the time. Um, and I got my first, my first DJing gig. Uh, for church was at a church in a basement, a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was a youth Wednesday Bible study and he wanted, you know, music. So I would, that was my first event. And me and the youth pastor there at the time, we put together, you know, a a whole thing. And I thought I was big shot. I used to carry my, back then, that's when you carry (laughs) your, um, your home entertainment system. Like your your house speakers right. with a with the receiver with the wires you got to twist the wire to put it in the back of the speaker. <laughs> I did all of that. You know, I had my little car. You know, packed up with speakers. I thought, you know, I was doing it. You know, and I was excited about yeah. it. You know, the, and that moment made me realize. Even then, there was another moment, aha moment. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. But I can remember yeah. that moment. You know, that was my first DJ moment, and then from there, of course. We progressed on and um, I started meeting rappers, started meeting, you know, producers and 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 um, other youth ministers that wanted to put on events at their church and, you know, their events. And I started doing um, events all over Raleigh and eastern North Carolina. So what were some of the struggles? Uh, obviously, 
getting married, not not that getting married is a struggle mm. necessarily. I'm not responding to that. <laughs> That's right. Um, but you know, you got married, you had kids. You can't really live the nightlife, you know, with with that kind of stuff going on. So, how did you still try to chase your dreams and have a family? Well, you can. It'll be difficult. It'll be some obstacles, but I chose. I I didn't. Sure. You know that nightlife. Um, I didn't. That that wasn't for me because I wanted to. You know to to have a family. Um, my children were, you know, are or is. But at the time, you know, they they're young, they're impressionable. You know, they you know they yeah, they can't yeah. survive on their own. So, you know, I'm I'm to them, you know, the they what they see. So, I chose, you know, just to. I never, I can say, give it up. I just chose to just because it was always a hobby for me. You know what I mean? It wasn't like at the time I'm like I gotta survive, I gotta work. So I think I pretty much I don't want to say give sure. up on making it my professional dream. I just knew yeah. that at that moment for me, I had to do something right then and there. This wasn't, this wasn't right. kicking it right here. Not saying I got to throw it away, but you know, I got to do something now. So I kind of put yeah. that in my back pocket and and went more towards the hobby side, which um, I've learned, I learned more because it was more freely for me it wasn't pressure because when you start doing things as a job which i wanted to be because initially i was trying to move um down to atlanta from from college because that's where everything was big music wise definitely and and then i started speaking of marriage i was djing um 1998 halloween oxford north carolina at the armory and in walks my wife and at that my dreams from DJing and Atlanta went went bye bye. Um, <laughs> so, hopefully, you don't hold that against her. No, no, no. It was it was a better move. Better move for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah, I, knowing me, yeah, this definitely was the was the better move. God knew what He was doing when He when He pushed her through that door. He knew what He was doing. So, um, but yeah. So, um, at that moment, I just knew that doing music you know was was going to be my my hobby so to yeah, speak yeah but in that sense i can add to it you know it wasn't pressure now so i can do what i want how i wanted to right. so again i started meeting people you know we formed an alliance with some of the rappers in the community and we would go around and do events and you know had a little production production team going on um it was, you know, lifelong friends that I met. Some of the, you know, a couple of the guys I, I still talk to to this day. This is like early 2000. Yeah. Um, and we still talk to this day. So I think everything is for a reason. You know, they're more of my you know, of a brotherhood now than it is, you know, back then we was artists and DJ. Yeah. Um, but we all love music. And and the disappointment was um, through all of that. I don't think we really got the recognition and the point across and was taken serious as we wanted mm-hmm. you know we would look at choirs and quartets coming in and people just you know giving them whatever and we're talking from a business point of view in ministry at this moment yeah um because you know you got to separate the two but you know if you're getting paid for something for your service it's a business right you know unless they just give it to you freely okay if you're not charging for it so um we would look at what you know what churches were paying events were paying and we would ask for our fee and we either didn't get it or didn't get all of it 
Um, and then there comes the um, spiritual side of it. I've actually, one of my artists that I DJ for had his name taken off of the marquee outside of the church. He was going to be doing a youth event there. And um, his name was up there. And when they found out he was a Christian rapper, they took his name off. Now, keep in mind, you riding by showing your family. Yeah. My name, this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to be performing here. And then you ride by the next day and it's off. But you oh, still, man. you know, and you're not doing the event anymore. Yeah. And this is a church. So it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, and you know, being told that what you're doing is devil music. That era came. Uh-huh. Um, and it just got so much to me at the moment to where I didn't want to do it anymore. And I think there was probably a two, three year stint to where I had placed my equipment up. I put it in closets. It wasn't visible to me. I just had enough. But I, here is the kicker. I always love music. So I've always like I was always still downloading songs. Right. Still making my own playlist. You know, I was making music for myself. I wasn't making music for anybody. I didn't, you know, wasn't taking on any events. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Anything. Weddings. Um, because it got to the point even weddings and functions like that got got to be a hassle. No um, more school proms. Yeah, no more. No, <laughs> definitely. No, I, I think I would have took well, never mind. Um <laughs> uh I wasn't asked, put it like that. I wasn't asked. Yeah, there you go. But but um yeah, so I just I I, I just felt like, all right, let me focus on me, family, you know, and just do that. You know, I didn't travel. Yeah. I went there. I, I have one time I had bought a um Ford Ranger. Probably not a month in buying that Ranger. I um drove it to Tennessee for a youth event. That was great. You know, and I again that's a moment to where I thought that it was going to transpire to something. But again, I yeah. was I was lied to. I didn't get paid what I thought I was gonna get paid there. So imagine that long road back. I gotta tell my wife and my oh, family man. that the money that I was supposedly getting, I didn't get all of it. So I and and I, I don't think I don't think other people understood that people that was in my position, we gotta go home to families and tell our families, hey, the money that we thought we was gonna get. We didn't get it. So yeah. now you got to deal with that. While you, re- while you receive what you received, you out doing what you do happy, but you broken a sort of a covenant with somebody. Mm-hmm. So that was more disappointing. That was probably out of all of the things like disappointment wise. I really look back on that and wish that it could have went different. Oh, um, for sure. Maybe I could have had contracts. I was a lot naive back then as far as I was. Uh, I, yeah. I wasn't to the fact that what, I didn't think people was using me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I was doing what I loved. Until my wife, she made it. She one day she pulled me aside. And I, you know, she probably just had enough. And she said, you have to make it either business or ministry. Uh-huh. If you make it business, you got to have contracts. You got to have down payments. I don't care who it is, a church, a a, a child's birthday party. You have to treat it as business. Now, if you say this is ministry, then that's different. It's ministry. It is what it is. You move in that way. But you can't just straddle the fence anymore because it's affecting. And I think at that moment, that's when I really started um, being more serious about the business. Um, and then you you find out, you know, your true, your true, your true, um, I would say friends, but your true 
um, supporters, true people. Yeah, true supporters. Yeah, because yeah. then when when they call you for an event, you give them a price and you start shooting contracts at them. You say, hey, I need, you know, I need, you know, 200 down before I show up. Uh, you know, you start saying, OK, well, when when you call me, I dropped everything was there. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm trying to show you something else and it's, you know, and it's different. So I think that's when I started to understand, oh, OK, I really have to take care of myself in this because people would just grab whatever they can grab from you. And then when you dry it up, you know, it is what it is. They just move on. Right. Let's uh, let's jump forward a little bit. We don't have to go uh, day by day <laughs> the rest <laughs> of your life. Let's talk about the podcast a little bit and how you ended up here. We talked about it a little bit in the initial episode, but I wanted to get a little a little deeper on a personal level from kind of really what what made you go, okay, this is this is something I, I, I want to do. So what, what what was that moment? We we've talked about this for years. It's something of this nature. They didn't know how we was gonna put it together. The yeah, moment we didn't we know decided, it was a podcast. Right, right, right. The moment we decided that podcasting this is it it kind of a light bulb went off it was like yes this is it because we have all of the tools that we need and i think it just i I don't know why i didn't register earlier but um it, it was gratifying because it was like okay this is something that we both can do um and we both can express it and also it wasn't more so about us you know again definitely this is probably one it's probably going to be a rare moment when you or i will be talking about ourselves you know this is just a preliminary the beginning of the relationship you get to know me i get to know you um so i was more excited about listening to other people's stories because i think when you when you originally um told me about it you're like hey let's Let's do a a podcast and we just interview people about their experience in music and get their stories. And I was in from that moment, from that part right there. And of course, over time, where we put this together last um, in in last year, putting this together, we kind of built up more and it was having more, you know, I guess, body parts to the torso, you know, um, the arms, the legs, the head, you know toes and all of that was coming together and i was like man this is going to be something because it's going to be more of you know i'm just excited about hearing other people's journey you know um it's funny that you say that because just today i ran into somebody i was waiting for my daughter to get out of school and i ran into this guy and we just started talking he was telling me um he's a biker you know he's telling me that he's from a town of 12 and i was like you know what oh wow percent he was like, no, 12 people. That's where he you know, grew up. He's older now. This is back then. He said, uh-huh. you know, people that box, he used to box. He boxed against De La Hoya back in the day. He said, you know, De La Hoya beat him up. But long story short, um, <laughs> it just reminded me of just people's stories. Because his story yeah, in yeah. that like five minutes, five to ten minutes that we talked, I was just listening to his story. And I was like, this is what I want to talk about on the podcast. His story was interesting to me and nobody would ever hear his, nobody would ever know that this biker guy, he had the patches all over his, you know, his um, jacket and everything. And, you know, he had the, you know, the, the, you know, he was just, he was a real biker guy and we just hit it off. And at that moment, while I was talking to him, I was like, man, this is what I want to do on the podcast. Of course it wasn't about music, 
but his yeah. story to me was interesting. Uh-huh. So yeah. about the you know about the podcast, that's one of the things that excited me the most was the stories that we about to get from people and also yes. being able to put it out for others across the country who, you know, we hear the stories of the t- Taylor Swift's and all of the, art, you know, famous people, Brad Pitt, right, you know, right. Angela Jolie. We hear all of their stories and we see them on TV. But I think, you know, normal people, people that are day to day people have interesting stories. And I think that's for sure what, what made me want to, you know, get more into this podcast that we're doing. Hopefully this serves as encouragement to people when, when it can, hopefully it serves as something where people can listen to it and go, okay, I'm not the only one who's had that experience or, um, I, I have similar memories with, you know, like your story earlier, you know, your grandmother kind of really kicking off your musical interests. Uh, I'm sure other people have that same tie in in their lives, whether it's a grandmother, grandfather, their mom or dad or whatever. You know, like you said, you, on the weekends you're cleaning and your your mom would put on some music. You know, you, and that memory is going to be there. So every time you're cleaning, I'm, I'm sure that comes to your mind every now and again. Like, oh, maybe you put on music. I do. You clean. Absolutely. Be, be, I do. Because of that. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, absolutely. So that's, this is all part, part of starting something that's, maybe we, I don't remember exactly if we said this in last week's episode or if it's something that hit the cutting room floor, but, you know, we've always wanted to do something musical, something that uh, can make an impact and something that's, that's bigger than ourselves. And and hopefully people see that in, in our efforts. Yeah. And and also, you know, just um just the growth. Also, you know, I just along with with everything else and you know, the growth with the podcast and also I, I started a um you know radio station, CG93radio.org, which is a twenty four hour um gospel um, hip-hop station along with you know my brother brother will will harvey in uh, south carolina um you know we wanted a platform he and i you know same thing with you and you and myself we've talked about doing and we couldn't find the stations or get the music that we wanted to hear or other people wanted so we you know he came up with this you know hey man i'm gonna get this radio station together and you know i need your support and I'm, you know, I was like, I'm there, I'm on it. So with CG93 Radio, it's it's a platform that I have to express my music, and and my and I added a, a rate my own show, which is Sunday yeah. Service, you know, and it's on YouTube. And we'll have the link for people to check out. Yeah, and it's basically is a bridge between traditional gospel music and hip hop. It's two songs and you know, two songs traditional, two songs hip hop. But that's what I listen to. So yeah. my cousin had told me one time and was like asked me and said, um, why don't we do something you play one gospel song and a gospel rap song just to introduce people together? And it hit me. I wanted to do two and two because I think I it was it was relevant to do more. But it hit me, you know, from her statement to my ears, it was, this is what I want to do. 
this is where I am now with the podcast and, uh, you know, doing what we're doing and also with CG93 Radio and then mm-hmm. Sunday Service, I kind of made full circle from that little kid in that basement, you know, trying to put something together with music, with, you know, yeah. turntables and, you yes. know, and, and the tape decks. And, and I kind of made it full circle to where, you know, I'm actually living my dream and, yeah. you know, and I, I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, I, I feel like I got a long way to go. But I can, I, when I look back, I stuck with it. Yep. If anything, I would say stick with it. There's going to be rough roads, but stick with it because, you know, I see the the fruit, you know, from this. Look, you know, it's more so look at me now for myself. Yeah. Yeah. To where, you know, I'm, I'm doing things now that I have control over, but it wasn't always that way. I went through, you know, we went through the, you know, the pains of my life to where I couldn't, you know, play the music or be recognized for what I was doing. Yeah. But now I have this platform to where I can speak it on here and then I can show it on the radio station. So, you know, everything is full circle. Man, that's awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to end today's episode, my friend. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Marquise and I thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm Marquise. We are Echospective guys. <laughs> That's right. No, cut that out. We're not going to be that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Echospective. I am Marquise. And I'm Nathan. And we'll see you next time. Echospective was recorded and produced in Mockingbird Studios. Brought to you by Marquise Burke and Nathan Sieg. And in part by their respective families. We thank you all so much for pushing us to strive for excellence. And we thank you, the listener. Your support means everything.